And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Black and Blue Pod. I'm your host, Matt McLaughlin, joined alongside by Timmy Gorman. And, of course, Philly Sports, we were coming off a pretty good high last weekend. And still on a pretty decent high. But um, the Sixers are really challenging my mental health uh, this week. All of our mental health. Seriously. (laughs) We're going to be talking about the Phillies. They fucking did it. Making the World Series for the first time since 2009. Uh, The Sixers slow star and the Eagles made a huge trade. So we're going to be talking about all that stuff on this episode. So we got to let's start off with the good. Well, the best go to the go to the worst. And then we'll finish somewhere in the middle. Um, We'll start with the Phillies. They do what really what we thought in August. July, June was like completely out of reach. They make the World Series. They beat the San Diego Padres in five games. Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola are showed out on national television as the guys that we've known that they are capable of being. Bryce Harper looks like he's back in MVP form. And so right now they're playing the Houston. Well, not right now they're playing, but <laughs> they're set up to play the Houston Astros on Friday night for game one of the World Series. Aaron Nola is uh, scheduled to take the mound. It'll be Aaron Nola game one and Zach Wheeler in game two. And also just to point out a little bit more, the world series is a two, three, two format. So the Phillies will have three games at home and then they got to go back on the road. So with all that being said, Timmy, how are you feeling? How, like, let's just be real. Is this going to happen? Are they going to fucking do it? It's so surreal because, like you said, there was nobody – like, I, in, like, the middle of September, I was like, I don't even fucking want playoff baseball because they're just going to lose in the first round. I was being negative Nancy, like, you know, like most Philly sports fans. I yeah, just most, like, most South then, Philly guys. And and even if they if they get in and lose, it's just going to reinforce the idea that Dombrowski – or I, was like the, I like to call him Dumbass Browski, although I might have to change that – because he did construct the majority of his roster and, you know, it, it's panned out um, when, it, when it needed to, which is when it counts. You, you get in, you get hot. That's the rules. And um, it's just been so funny the last couple of days watching all these people be butthurt, be like, oh, this doesn't even count. Oh, my so God. Dumb. The fans, the fans outside of Philadelphia that want to take this away from us can go seriously screw themselves the new york they're yankees all, they're all braves they're all braves and mets fans and like stuff like that and it's no, just yankees like, fans right, cool. i've heard like, so much chirps from yankees fans i so quick side story here i'm in a group chat with a bunch of people that i work with at uh, little league and i sent a bryce harper gif waving and two smiley emojis and a yankees fan removed me from the group chat 20 seconds later i was like imagine being that soft imagine being that soft like what's so wrong about it? like if there's any other sport, baseball is the only sport that didn't have a field like this for the longest time. Like in hockey, it's been eight teams since it's been 16 teams total, eight teams in each side since I, since I remember watching playoff hockey back in yeah, the mid nineties. Yeah. I was going to say, like, I think my entire life, it's been that format. If yeah, definitely for your entire life, it has been for mine. It definitely changed at some point. It's, it's switched. But before I was, but besides that, uh, right? World but Series, ba- basketball, this basketball the same way. Yeah, and football was 
it wasn't as big, but now it's even football's even expanded to this 14 teams. And even before that, it was 12 teams, which is what this is now with baseball, yeah. right? It's 12 yeah. teams. And the Steelers won a won a championship being the wild card team. Uh, I'm pretty sure the Bucks did. There's a couple other ones, but regardless, it's like the so Giants, no one the Eli was, Manning titles. Right, the Giants, thank you. No one was ever out there being like, it doesn't count. Oh, they were third in their division, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's like, get the fuck out of here. Like, I saw, like, like there's one dude, and it was literally this one, like, dorky-ass account that just, like, kept, like, following, like, kept commenting on, like, all the Phillies posts being like, oh, yeah, doesn't should doesn't even count coming in third place and winning everything. It this isn't this 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 title doesn't mean shit. It's like okay, cool. So, oh, so what? Like, and there's going to be an asterisk. Like, if we win the World Series, like World Series didn't count because fans said so. Like, yeah, it's so dumb. It's so soft ass bitches. Exactly. It's all because it's Philly. Like, I'm really starting to be that guy that's like, no, no one likes Philly. No, and it it is, it is. But it's just like if it was their team, they'd be like, oh. You just got to play to get in, then you get hot. But because it's because it's not their team, and even more because it's the Phillies, they're like, oh, shut up. Like, it doesn't even count. How does it not count? How does These it? No, rules. it doesn't. We, we didn't cheat to get in like the fucking Astros did for years. Like, we didn't, you know, yes, we have a high payroll, but it's not like the fucking Yankees in the beginning of the 2000s where they basically just bought every star at the beginning of free agent, pitcher, precision player, any, any, or the Dodgers right now. Like, so yeah, we have a high payroll, but we also have homegrown talent in Nola and Hoskins, as much as I like, don't like to call him talent, but like, you know, like we didn't pay real Muto, like buy real Muto off the market. We made a trade with some of our other homegrown talent. You know, we signed Bryce, we signed Castellanos, we signed Shorber. Yeah. We traded for Segura, Stott, boom, homegrown talent. We traded our first overall pick for Mark. Like these, it's not like this is a team. That is a bunch of mercenaries. Like it's a mixed match team of homegrown guys and guys we either traded for or bought on the free agent market. This isn't the fucking Dodgers who watched everyone become good and then they bought they put a whole team around two guys that they they drafted. And two sneaky also transactions. Well, not transactions, I guess, but homegrown talent example. Ranger Suarez closes out the right. clinching Sorry, game. Thank you. Yes. No. Yeah, that's fine. There's, my, my well, there's, there's examples. There's examples all over the place, and also sneaky trade deadline acquisition that we didn't really know how to process at the time. And Mundo and Mundo Sosa has been huge yeah, for this team defensively. Huge. So like he was the like Phillies have gone about it the right way. Ago. Two months ago, you would say he was like everyone's like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, yeah, it was kind of like a joke. Cause and but like he's been huge. He's great defensively. He's he's had some he had some clutch hits down the stretch for us. Like, you know, it's like and not that bomb boom has been like obviously we we've talked on and on about Alec Boom and my love for him and how he's improved defensively. But it is nice to like know that you can put Sosa in there because there are still ways that Boom has to go. Personally, I would not mind if. It was put boom at first and put Sosa at third and take Hoskins out of the fucking game, but they'll never fucking do that. So whatever. But yeah, I just, I just, it's just so dumb. Like all the, and it's like, you know what? Fine. And this is why we have this slogan. No one likes us and we don't care. And you know what? Fine. If you want to hate on us, you'd rather root for a bunch of fucking cheaters. They needed to bang on a fucking trash can and put microphones in their sweaters so they could know what pitch was coming so they could win. Fine. 
be my best, be my guest. Go root for those assholes because we don't care. We don't want you. We don't want you cheering for us like out of out of pity, any of that shit. Just because your team didn't make it this far, like we didn't get in on an asterisk. It wasn't like we we snuck in because the three teams ahead of us decided that they couldn't field a team because of COVID or any of that shit. We got in fair and square. We won the last playoff spot fair and square. We won to get in, mind you. We didn't lose the back door our way in. Like, the Padres just did, did to secure their spot. Yeah. But, like, so then we beat the Cardinals, who were a division winner. We beat the Braves, who were the second-best team in the NL for since probably the middle of June and were our division winner, who pretty much handled us all year like the Mets. And we went in and we beat them in four games pretty handily, too. And if it wasn't for Hoskins fucking shit up, we probably could have swept them. And yeah. granted, he's he's made amends. I know, whatever. Dude, I, Hoskins, I know we're going to talk about Hoskins, and I just want to say this right now: for all the defensive miscues that he's had, and all the the ups and downs statistically that you're going to see when you look at his like month by month splits and all that type of stuff, it does not matter. I love this man forever now, just because of this postseason run and the clutch hits that he's had, and he's been the one guy that's really jump-started this offense more so than Bryce Harper because Harper's been, uh, I should say, taking advantage of the well, – Schwarber uh, really did so in that in, this, in the Padres series. Schwarber did for sure, but overall in the postseason, it feels like when the Phillies offense is back against the wall, Hoskins has had the spark, and then that's just gotten the rest of the offense and the avalanche rolling. Since and game I, game since game four of the – or game three of the – Brave series, yeah. Yes, yeah. That's a fair. That's a fair qualifier. Well, like you said, well, I'll get more. Like, there's more about that, but yeah, like, and it's uh, like we didn't beat the little sisters of the poor. Like, no. like, well, so what happens if 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 the Cardinals got here, they had beaten us, and then they beat the Braves, and then they beat the Padres? Well, people would be like, oh, it doesn't count because their first opponent was the six seed Phillies, and then the Braves got injured, and it's like we played fully healthy teams. We played the Padres, who who are a really good team, have a good rotation, have a great bullpen, have good hitters. You know, like from not top to bottom, but they have when when they're on, you know, they can really punish you. Sure, Jorgson Profar never turned out to be the stud that everyone wanted him to be, including me, because he's a he he, he with the shared Dutch heritage that I have, and I and you know he's from the Netherlands Antilles, and you know Curacao. I I love him. Anybody that comes from there, I love. That's why it's so sad to me that Didi's not on this team still, but I know why we had to get rid of him. That said, like, he didn't, he's never lived up to it, but Machado and Soto, like, I don't care what you say about Soto, how much of a struggle he was in. Like, Soto is still dangerous and he was heating up. And it would have really scared me if we had to go back to San Diego for the simple fact that Machado was basically every other game, he was either like, meh, but he could still produce a run or um, like dynamite. So you never knew what you were getting. And then you had Soto, who was really starting to see the ball great and was crushing everything he hit. And then fucking Josh Bell, who's been on this year-long, like, murdering rampage. Like, like I don't like the – on, on the Philly special pod on, on the ringer, the Shokapadia, he had the guys on from uh, – was it like the high and like the high and inside? Or one of the Philly – one of the Philly's podcasts that was like on 94-1 or shows – I forget right. who it is, but he had those guys on, and the guy made a good point. He's like, I would love to know what we did to offend Josh Bell, that he's been on this season-long rampage because when he was on the Nationals, he was murdering us, and since the Padres, he was like, the dude just rakes. Like, I would – every time I watch Josh Bell, 
I say when I look at him, he's that guy that you he comes up to the plate and you automatically are just like, where do you throw the ball to get him out? Yeah. He just has one. And even though he's not that complete of a player, he can be. I mean, he was batting almost 300 with the Nationals. He took a swan dive with the Padres, but that park probably didn't help. And playing on not playing not playing as much either but i would gladly take josh bell as a bench bat anyway oh my god yeah yeah but, uh world series let's get back to the world series yeah. and focusing ahead now so we both are probably going to agree bullpen is going to be the sketchiest thing about the phillies this series that's that's going to what that's what's so, going to so make a break this we're not dumb right we know yeah. that the astros are better in every facet of this game outside of maybe the bats where we can line up with them to a degree with our bats and even on a good day actually probably be better than them when it comes to Harper I think is a more complete hitter than anybody in their lineup besides maybe Altuve but he sucks right now and I guess Jordan Alvarez but both of them have been shit to to start the playoffs so let's hope we keep that there um I guess Bregman can be good but then again it's like how much of that was a cheating how much of that was real but like, you know what I mean? Bri- but it needs to be put into perspective how well Bryce is playing. I mean, oh, three, three double, six for 16, three double, three RBIs. And that was just in the Padres series alone. He was hitting 375 batting average, 750 slugging, a 1.125 OPS. Anybody left. The best batting average for anybody left in the playoffs. Like he's putting up like Ted Williams regular season type numbers in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Tony, Tony most. Gwynn type numbers. Yeah. Tony Gwynn. Crazy. That's like, a good comparison. Yeah. Exactly. Or like prime Larry Walker in Coors Field, except yeah. he's not in Coors Field. Now, granted, the bank can get very, but this is the bank in October, not the bank in mid August. Exactly. And the ball flies. And so it's, it's that home did, run, like you think about it, like, and it's just like, like, like the more I think about it, it's just like, like I don't like when I saw when I was when I I'm mean, was trying to about the go the go ahead the go ahead yes the, clin- the, the, the clinching home run essentially yeah and like when he and I and I'm like I forgot that he even started O two in that account and I forgot that at one point I was like fuck he's not gonna do it but like because all in my head all I'm thinking is I texted my my best friend the before that inning started and I said all right JT's getting on with a double. I was wrong. It was a single still. It's like, and Bryce is going to homer. I was like, Bryce is going to homer and drive him and and drive them both in. Literally, I had the text. I'll I'll show you. Like, I screenshot it and everything. Like, I can't believe that. Like, and I almost got it all right. But like, when he went down 0 2, I can, I remember thinking, like, God damn it. What the fuck, Bryce? Like, and I'm like, damn, this dude is really cooking up there. Like, he's, he's really fooling our batters. And then he battled and battled. And it was just like, for some reason, and everyone probably had this feeling and everyone, or they're just going to lie and say it and maybe like, but I just remember being like watching that. And I'm like, just as the, the more that, that bad at that went on, I'm like, he's going to do this. He's going to do something. And, and it wasn't necessarily on that pitch, but I had a good feeling that when that, like when he made contact, the second he made contact in my head, I'm like, there's no fucking way he just did what I think he did. Right. And I just remember sitting here and, Killian was standing right next to me and he was like, like we have a like really good shot of both of us like looking up at the TV watching the game. And at that point, like I'm like making sure like I'm not jumping. And I'm like, I'm like going like this and literally just like he hits it and I just like go crazy, like toss my hat off. I'm like, fuck oh, yes, like Bryce, I like the doors open, but you hear everyone in the neighborhood just start screaming from their yard from their houses, like going crazy, banging pots and shit. Killian just takes after me and he, he, because he sees me celebrating and he just starts going like running circles and being like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, 
yeah and like doing like like dives all over the living <laughs> room it was just dude it was so funny but it's like i think back now and i'm like i don't know why i was so confident and you think of the situation but it's like i just felt like he was there was nothing that was going to stop him at that at that and it's so weird to think that because i don't think i've ever had that feeling ever like when it comes to like outside of when i was like brad lidge is getting this is getting the strike out of eric that's the only other time i ever had that feeling like during a phillies playoff game of it this guy is going to get it this is going to get done like this like and like predict it like not predict it but just kind of knew in my head the outcome and well, it's we, just well, phillies so have ne- surreal it, it is surreal and i think that kind of goes to like the phillies have never really had a talent like bryce harper like no Utley, Utley's the close Utley for our generation. It's Utley, yeah. and for like our parents, it, it was Schmidt, and then even like for the older guys, it was it was like Richie Ashford. Exactly, and my dad, or because you can't even say uh, Dick Allen because as good as he was, he had his ups and downs. Like he wasn't as complete as Bryce could be. Exactly, like this is Bryce Harper is the best talent to come through and play in a Philadelphia Phillies uniform. Just because of his athletic ability, his physical stature, he fills out a baseball uniform unlike any other dude I've ever seen before, and his ability to play two ways. And he's made so much of an impact on this playoff run, even without throwing a baseball, which is still the craziest part about this, is that he still figures out a way to just get a Mm -hmm. critical hit, get a home run, get something going, even though he can't play in the field. And we're left with Castellanos. Looking Who, like an old man. Knock on wood hasn't there's some plays like there was a there was one at bat, I and I forget which game it was. It was like, dude, you should have caught that. And I can't remember which one it was. It might have even been the Josh Bell hit. I think that, that was, I, was I think I, I, I that I think that's the one, if I remember where correctly. I was like, How did he not catch that? But he he and also no, the Josh Bell one was that he didn't he fucking lollipopped it back to the infield instead of throwing it like uh, he should have. Yeah, that yeah, I, that throw there was, was tough. Enough, but there that was another one bad. where it was hit. Maybe it was Josh Bell on Saturday or something, and it was hit. And it's like, how did you not catch that? Like, come on, dude. Like, but besides that, he hasn't been terrible, which has been you know, which has been nice. But it's like, it's just like you said, like it would help to have Bryce out there, and then you know, DH Castellanos or even Schwarber, you know, one of the two. But it's like. That's where it can become a so, little bit redundant. How many games do you think this series goes? So, if the Phillies are going to win, it's probably got to go at least six or seven. Like, it's just like there, there's no way we're sweeping them as much as I'd love to, like, just like somehow like have the baseball gods on our side for Bryce to finally get his to shut up all the haters, all the people that after he left the Nationals to come to us and then they won. The next, what was it, the next year? Yeah, they won the next year, right? Yeah, it was the next year. Yeah, they won, and everyone's like, oh, look. But it's like, if you go back to those series when he was on the Nationals and they made the playoffs, it wasn't Bryce's fault. No. Bryce was hitting. It was the rest of the team that sucked dick. And then the second he left, it was like, oh, Anthony Rendon's finally going to have one good playoff series. Or like uh, Trey Turner. Trey Turner. Trey Turner. He was a shortstop before him that was always questionable. Um, it wasn't for Zimmerman, the second was baseman. It? it wasn't. No, Zimmerman. Zimmerman was third. No, Zimmerman because Zimmerman also kind of hit too. No, it was. It was. There's the shortstop or second baseman that I think he's on the Rockies now. 
but he always sucked too during like he even he even had a critical error in like 2012 or like thir- or like 15 or something that really cost them. Was he on the championship roster, the guy that you're thinking of? No, no, but I, he was gone, I think, by the time then. But, like, oh, okay. But still, in general, like, Bryce came to play, but yeah. everyone, he was just everyone's favorite scapegoat. And it's like, why, dude? Like, because Major League Baseball made him the, the face of the sport from the day one. Well, there was well, that. Why shouldn't they? He is baseball. Him he and had Trout a, are baseball. He, he had a bad boy image to him because remember, he had a couple of scuffles with pitchers who were throwing at him. And then he the pitchers, I think, thrown at him because they're like, who the fuck is this 19 year old punk that baseball is trying to prop up as the face of the sport when I've been here for 10 years? Like Hamels. I love Hamels. But he, when he threw at him in 2011 or 12, I was like, I forgot there was no that. reason for that. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, I there was no reason for that. Cole to do that. For sure. But I agree. If the Phillies are going to win, it's probably going to go six or seven. Best case scenario, it's five. I don't, there's no way in hell that the, they sweep the Astros. I, Unless something miraculous happens, I am just not going to believe that they're going to sweep. I think that this home field advantage has, number one, revived the the city's love of baseball. Mm -hmm. Number two, has energized the team unlike any other home field advantage throughout the playoffs that I've seen. I get it. The Astros have a great crowd, Mattress Mac, betting basically a life savings for me on the Astros winning uh, the World Series. but even the Astros crowd, it, it's not as rowdy through through eight or nine. The Blue Jays have somewhat of a good crowd, but even then that gets a little bit dicey. And even in the National League, like San Diego, yeah, St. Louis, I I don't think St. Louis has that good of a yeah, but like field. it's it's the side, it's our it's how our fans are and how our park is constructed that makes it like true. Like the Cubs, the Cubs, when the Cubs are good, Wrigley Field yeah. can probably get very loud. Bush Stadium because St. Louis, they're 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 good ball. They're 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 good baseball fans there. As much they're as good, I hate the they're Cardinals. good fans. All these are all these cities have great fans. I just don't think that like their fans right can revive or energize a team to overcome a juggernaut like the Phillies right. can. I, I, you can't, I don't even want to compare. Say the Yankees or Red Sox. Maybe the Red Sox, but because. Like, yeah, we have some idiots in our crowd, but those two fan bases just take it to a level that's disgusting with their the racism and, like, the homophobia and all the other shit that they've said and done over the last five to seven years trying to fight the Guardian center fielder. But, like, oh that God, was the yeah. Phillies. That was the Phillies fans. People would talk about it from nonstop, and people were like, oh, no, it's the truth. Because there's the idiots out there that are still like, oh, worst fans ever. Didn't they try to fight Santa Claus once? Like, no. There was drunk idiots – who were there at an eagle, supporting an Eagles team that sucked, that threw some snowballs at a fake Santa Claus, like, well, I guess, whatever, but you know what I mean? Like, and it's just like, so, like, if you want to hang off of that, sure. It's overblown. Yeah, it's yeah. just overblown. Like, but no one talks about the, yeah. Let's but, get back so, to the actual series here. I think between games one and two, they're, I think the Phillies that are, are going to win one of them because Wheeler and Nola are We have now. to, obviously. Well, so and, it's Nola, Wheeler. Nola's going correct. game Nola's one. Nola's game one, Wheeler's game two. They have, the Astros have not announced as we're taping this who their starters are going to be. Um, wouldn't, it, wouldn't it just be Verlander? Prob- it'll probably like- be Verlander. But um, the question is, do they start Verlander? If I'm the Astros, I would look at it from the perspective of do we – save Verlander for possibly game two and kind of well, no I would think you'd start him game one to think you have the advantage over Nola. 
No, that's true. But also, my only counterpoint to that would be if I'm Dusty Baker, I just saw Nola get roughed up for five or whatever it was against the Padres. I know we can get to him. And so do I want to play that ace of spade right now at this right. very moment? Whereas, okay, let's say Nola okay. does go lights out and our offense doesn't get going. We still have game two that we can split it. And then if our offense gets going in throughout the home, uh, the stretch that they, the Astros would be on the road, that took a while uh, to get out. Then maybe Verlander pitches game five, and then you come back with the advantage, like say it's like a, I don't know, like a three, three, two lead or something like that. And then you set yourself up to clinch. I don't know. Sure. That, that could be me overthinking it a little bit. No, no, uh, I actually, no, I agree with what you're saying now, because if, if Dusty, but they're looking at it like that maybe is the way he looks at it, where it's like, he just kind of got roughed up, you know, across the board, the Astros have four frontline starters, their they're, they're three and fours are probably guys that could be maybe twos, maybe a one, depending on what team it is on any other rotation, but they're three and four. So, like, you have, you know, they're going to throw out Verlander. Then they have Fran Bar Valdez as the number two. And then they have Christian Javier and Lance McCullough Jr. So, like, it's, it's like, but like, the thing is, like, Ver- Wheeler and Verlander, I think Verlander has a slight edge just because of like his, you know, everything he's done. But the way Wheeler's pitching and has pitched the last two years, should have won a Cy Young last year, was robbed of it. Like, Corbin Burns should not have won that. But regardless, like, this. so I think Verlander, just because of his history and having been there before, is still still a little bit, like, still you can give the edge to him. But still, Wheeler's not a bad guy to throw against him. Oh, no, not Uh, at all. Then Valdez and Nola, sure, maybe Valdez has had a, like, better season or whatever, but like what postseason experiences he had minimal, just the same as probably a little bit more than Nola's, but not that much. So I think Nola can definitely overcome that. And then Javier or McCullers versus Ranger, like, you know, people want to shit on Ranger and not like him. Maybe he hasn't had the greatest starts, but like we know what Ranger is good for. Like there's a, like that shit, that, that stat line that he had last year over his final like 13, 14 starts when he had a sub or a, like a 1.6 ERA or whatever, that was no fluke. And once he got into shape this year and started pitching better, he was so much better from July on to the rest end of the year, had a couple of eh, starts, but besides that, he's a really good number three and can even be a like reliable number two on a staff if you need him to be. So where they really have the advantage is that number four starter, because if you like between Cindergard and Falter, like Falter was like, oh my God, okay, he looks good. And then he just fucking shit the bed. Yeah. But then it's like, do you throw Cindergard out there? What does he do? What is this person? Like, so like that's I would where throw... it starts to become the issue of like, who are you going to throw in game in, in, in game four? And you just kind of have to hope that you can get another two, like if it's going to go the distance or like that you get that Wheeler and Nola are good to go and then that you can trust Ranger in game seven, but also know that you're probably just going to be all hands on deck and you're probably going to need an inning or two out of both Wheeler and Nola if it goes that far. I would throw Syndergaard out there uh, over Falter simply because of postseason experience to at least Mm -hmm. set a tone tone early. So on the same page there, I think looking at it from – the 
I guess more so like the defensive slash against the bats perspective. I think that the Phillies can win this because number one, I think JT Realmuto is going to really show his two-way ability. And I think that he's going to know also that he can limit Houston's uh, aggressive base stealing because he led which the league. The dusty, which is the Dusty Baker staple. Exactly. And if any, and if any catcher in the National League can do it outside of JT Realmuto, probably Yadier Molina, Maybe that's it. That's like at least on the short list for me. That's I off the top of my head. Yadier Molina is the only one that I would really throw in there besides JT. Um, oh no, uh, what's the uh, the cash the Cubs catcher? Oh, Contreras, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, that's a good pick, too. So JT is, I think, going to limit Houston's aggressive base stealing because he's going to just gun runners down left and right. And he's, he's shown a knack for getting those critical hits. We mentioned the go-ahead. Uh, he set up the go-ahead home run and getting that single in the clinching game against the Padres. So I think he's going to be huge. Nolan Wheeler, three out of the four appearances that they're going to make, I think will at least be quality. Maybe the last two aren't necessarily like six full innings or whatever, but you can at least get a bank on at least their first two starts being probably six – Six innings, maybe two to three earned runs. Mm-hmm. And then maybe those last two appearances, their bullpen appearances, and they go on an inning, maybe just two thirds of an inning, but they don't let up an earned run or don't walk anyone and don't necessarily uh, really allow at the Astros any opportunities to capitalize on extra base hits. And so, and if anyone can get Jordan Alvarez to swing and miss, it's Nolan Wheeler. And I think right. they're going to really be using their and then it's a it's a lefty lefty matchup with with Ranger, which could definitely benefit Ranger. And we listen, we played these guys the last three games of the year. We won one game, the other game was a little bit of a blowout, but the third game we were in. Yep. So like, I think that's going to give these Philly the Phillies confidence. Like, hey, they probably have all the confidence in the world right now. Like, you know, they they're not they don't care what anyone's saying. They don't care if it's all oh, the Astros are going for perfection. They could sweep all these series and blah, like to the the Phillies right now. It's like great. No one wanted us in here. No one believed us when we got in here. We beat the odds every single series. No one's been picking us. Even in the Padres series, all the people were like, "Oh, I just got to get the Padres in five or six. Uh, so you know, like no one. I think A. Rod was the only one that picked the Phillies to win it, and he picked them in seven. Yeah. But that's it. You know what I mean? Like no one, like every round, it, it didn't. It was just they always thought the other team was going to be better. So these, this team is going in there knowing that, like you said, like we said, no one likes us and we don't care. No one believes in us and we don't give a shit. They're here. They probably think they're a team of destiny. They have. They 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 want to do this for Topper. Let's not even begin because people could be like, oh, Dusty Baker has the advantage. Why? Dusty Baker has been here before and lost. Mm-hmm. You know, he's shown plenty of times how he choked playoff series. Rob you know Thompson I mean? has managed this postseason like a genius. It's been yeah. awesome. Uh, There's but- been a little bit of some th- different things with question marks, but for the most part, he's been really good, you know. And like you said, it's going to come down to the bullpen. Our bullpen is really going to have to keep their shit together because they have a really good bullpen, just like the Padres. Of their six main guys, five of them have sub two or sub three ERAs, and two of them have sub two ERAs. Uh, their closer has has thirty three on the year has thirty three saves with a two point nine ERA. Their second best guy has fourteen saves. 
Their closer is Ryan Presley. Their second best guy is Rafael Montero with 14 saves and 2.37 ERA. Then they have a couple of guys, Stanek, Abreu, and Brown, who are all sub three. And I think two of them are sub two. And then of, of, the, of the, the sixth guy in that rotation is a friendly face to the Phillies. And we know how easily he can get rattled, especially in Citizens Bank Park. And if I'm Dusty Baker, I don't ever fucking use him if I don't have to in the bank. And that's Hector Neres. Because you know for a fact, the second he starts warming up and they send him out of there, it is game over. It doesn't matter if we're down five runs, one run, have a lead. Neres is going to go in there and get absolutely shellacked by the fans verbally. And I don't – like, it's going to be – to a point that he is just going to – there's no way from all those years we watched him pitch, he has the mental fortitude to handle it. I'm sorry. And like I said, there's six of them that they trust, and he's the only one with an ERA over three. It's almost at four. So it tells you that Hector has still has yet to really change his ways, and the Phillies fans know that. So the pitching is definitely in their favor. The sabermetrics, all the nerd shit in their favor. The, the batting, like when you get to the lineups, if you own everyone's best day, the lineup was supposed to be our calling card. And if you just go from scratch, bring everybody in there and just say, here's like what these guys were career wise and everything like that. I think we can match up evenly with them. You know, you have Alvarez Altuve and Bregman who are their big guys. And then Yuli Gurriera, who's had a, who's bounced back this pro season. But then outside of that, it's another, it's a lot of guys that just like, They've kind of plugged and played. They have the rookie, Jeremy Pena, who's had a solid postseason and might have won rookie of the year, if not for Julio Rodriguez in the AL, that is. They have a local kid in Chaz McCormick, who, if he has anything right in his mind, he would just uh, just just tell Dusty Baker he can't play because his family's going to disown him if he plays in the Astros win. Kidding, of course. Um, but I think our our lineup, if we come to bat and have the confidence, and it's not just one through four, if and Reese isn't hitting streaky, isn't streaky Reese. He isn't one for nineteen Reese. He's actually the last two games Reese and Ramuto continues to hit like he is, and Schwarber and Harper are doing what they've been doing. And then it's like, hey, out of Castellanos, Segura, Boom, Stott, Marsh, and Marsh, and I guess Slash Vierling. Out of those, what, five, four? Like, so six to, six to nine, those four guys. Yeah. Or five to nine, those four guys. If we can get two of them to start hitting on a regular basis, it's – that's it, with the other – with the top four, that's oh huge. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's absolutely huge. huge. So, final predictions. I have the Phillies in six. Unfortunately, I don't think that they'll be able to clinch at home. I didn't think they'd be here. <laughs> I honestly didn't think they would. I thought that I remember sitting there watching the first game against the Cardinals, not thinking like they were even going to get out of that series. I was worried about the Brave series after they drew drop game two. We All talked about May in May when they had that West Coast trip from May or June that, and then they got they lost um, the opportunity to sweep the Dodgers, and then I think they got swept by the Padres or something. And it was like, fuck, dude, we can't do anything right. If we can't beat these guys right now, how the hell are we going to beat them in the postseason? And the Phillies have just said, just get in and see what happens. Get in and get hot. And, you know, 
the I think the one thing that is working in the favor, unlike teams like the Phillies have like 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 a team that comes to mind is the Rockies, how they got in and got hot in 07, the first year the Phillies had made the playoffs in forever. They and they beat the Phillies and swept the Diamondbacks. They had to sit around sit around and wait. The Phillies don't have to sit around and wait like the, while the Astros are playing. The they're they're both waiting the same amount of time. Yeah. So this isn't like they're if anything, they're both gonna have to shake off a little bit of rust. I didn't think they'd be here. I can't bet against it now. And uh, like, do I have the utmost confidence they're going to win? No, but I'm just thinking maybe for once the sports gods are on our side outside of the 2017, outside of the Super Bowl against the Patriots. <laughs> um, and I'm just thinking, you know what? Maybe this is our time. Hopefully they won't reward cheaters. And I say that I say the I say the Phillies winning in five. I say we clinch. Let's go. I like it. I like we have the last two times at the bank in some sort of dramatic fashion in game five, some sort of pitcher's duel where Bryce or somebody, you know, or maybe even like stop or boom, walk it off or set up the game winning one. And then we have a new strike, like uh, called strike three or whatever, just like Lidge in 2008. So I'm saying Phillies in five, but all right, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, all right, let's move on. Philadelphia 76ers. They move to one and four to start out the season. And I don't know how to feel about this team. It has been uh, a headache, to say the least. And it just feels... If you uh, well, I'll let you go first. Do you think it's time to to set off the alarms, or do you think that we're, people are just overreacting five games into the season? Both. Fair it's enough. Both. It's Fair it's enough. both. It's unfortunately, I think so much hype and love around them to start, and reasonably so, with what we added in the off season that we thought we'd be seven and zero before we probably got our first loss. But yep. at the same time, there was always that caveat that it's – well, Doc's also on the hot seat. So how can you have a team that everyone is believing in but also have a coach – you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not as surprising that this is happening, especially with the teams we played, you know. our Outside of the Spurs loss, our four lo- – our four our other three losses are against the Bucks, the Celtics, and the Raptors. And you could say all three of them are potential Eastern Conference finals contenders. Absolutely. And two of them could possibly – you can consider finals contenders. Um, Likely have to play two of those teams to get to the conference finals. Exactly. Exactly. So, that said, it's a little worrisome. You had – there's the hope that they would have come out ready to go. But the overreaction by people like the national media pundits, like Bill Simmons, like, okay, Bill Simmons, here you go, man. You're a fucking fetish. <laughs> Trying to get Joel Embiid out of the city of Philadelphia needs to stop. You're supposed to be this professional who runs the ringer and does this. And I get it. You were the sports guy. This is that. But, dude, you're in your 50s. You're supposed to be above that now. Like, the guys who think irrationally and make arguments or comments that's supposed to be us not guys who are making millions of dollars working for spotify who have their own who have the second of who own their own company 
and you know, but isn't that, isn't that, website hold on, hold on. ESPN. But isn't that how like he gets to that position in the first place is by being the relatable like sports guy? Like we talk about like first yeah. take all the time and how they just pick like sometimes they just pick egregiously horrible takes and it's just terrible. But with Simmons, like it does. I'm not going to lie. It is starting to feel that way. Like I'm starting to, it's starting to like slowly creep into my head. Like what if Joel does want out? Like, is this going to be happening? He looks completely gassed. I think he doesn't want to. Um, it feels like right now he's very frustrated that he's not getting the same amount of touches that he has before, but he's still averaging 26, like 26 points. points. He had 31 points tonight, you know? Exactly. He just looked – I think he – again, it's a conditioning thing, and we didn't know that he had plantar fasciitis until right. first week of the season. It's like, fuck, dude. Like, how does this happen? How does this keep happening? But I will say I'm not – I am concerned about the defensive effort of this team and also the fucking rotation choices that Doc Rivers is making. How does Matisse Thibel play only five combined minutes through the first five games when you need defense? And how the fuck was PJ Tucker? How was PJ Tucker leading their minutes for the first three games? Like, he, I get why you brought him in, but he's for the playoffs, not the regular season, Doc. And like, let this him is run. why Doc's on the hot seat. This is and, exactly why. And he can, and PJ Tucker can beat up a second unit if you need to. And that, that may actually work better as having like a tough guy that these younger dudes can look up to and say, oh, he's the big brother that's going to have our back if we get into a scrap in the yard. Mm -hmm. And that's where it's like, like, just give Matisse a chance in the starting rotation. I Like, you're, the P.J. Tucker contract is essentially a one-year deal to win a championship, and then the two years is just like, hey, if this works out, this is your, this is your favor in return. It's like, I don't understand it. And, and B took, like, step-back corner threes tonight, which is – outrageous eventually in the second half he started bullying his way into the paint but Harden is doing exactly what we wanted him to do Maxi, I think is still kind of maturing a little bit he still had some moments where you saw that like rookie with his head cut off and I think yeah but he's and I think he's following I think he's listening to Harden a little too much because when I watched that Bucks game he took like a shot on like five possessions in a row and like three of them were just like Tyrese, that's not your shot. What the fuck are you doing? That's not what you do. Like you're better than this. Come on, man. There was a there was a possession towards the end of the third quarter, shot clock winding down. Tyrese has the ball at half court, and him and James Harden are just playing hot potato with it. And it leads to a terrible chuck up three. And that's the problem with this team is the lack of ball movement. They're not really putting much effort defensively. And it just feels like what the fuck like everything that mm -hmm. can go wrong has gone wrong and so i'm i'm sounding the alarms if this team is not a i can't believe i'm saying this if this team is below like 520 games into the season doc Rivers should be given the boot immediately well immediately. i don't think he's gonna lay i honestly don't think he's gonna last that long but like i but at the same time it's like yes it's a little worrisome but like i decorate back to the bill simmons thing like I think it's so funny. He's like, and the Sixers season is in shambles. It's like, dude, all you talked about all summer was how the Celtics season was like, thought you thought it was a loss in January and they turned it around. But the Sixers, any other team want to get that same benefit of the doubt? Like, no, you, yeah. like, oh, like, oh, three games in and just fucking tossing the towel. Like, no, like, he just wants to love MB, but he refuses to because it's a sick, he's on the Sixers 
and he refuses to give props to a Philly team. Hence the reason that, like, even with this, like, Eagles thing, he'll be like, oh, the Eagles 6-0, but he's like, but really, who they beat? Like, there's always got to be a caveat. Or, like, his new thing with the Eagles having won that Super Bowl, it's like, well, I mean, if they didn't win, it's a joke on them because the the, the Patriots' defense was a sin. That's his, like, new take on the, them losing. It's like, dude, just fucking give props. Like, stop being a fucking 15-year-old who doesn't know how to be, like, a good win- loser. Like, he's such a sore loser and can never, like, give props to people that deserve it. And that's what I mean. It's like, he's 50 years, like, in his 50s and needs to be a professional and he's not. And this whole fucking bullshit that he tried to start last week where he's like, oh, well, it's Harden's team now and then B's going to win out. Fuck you. No, Bill. No. Bill Simmons, I'm telling you right now, if you think that is happening, you don't know dick about sports. This Joe City, no matter how many home runs Bryce hits, you know how many how many touchdowns Jalen Hurts throws, or you know how no matter how many saves Carter Hart or anybody on the Flyers that means anything right now does like you know scores goals say, or not much any stuff. of that shit. Right? It this is Joe Joe shit city. It has been for five years now. It will be until he's gone and retired. He will be here for life. It, there's no way we let him leave. So this bullshit where it's like, oh, it's Harden's team. Get the fuck out of here. Fetish away. He's not leaving. How? Can, and, and the best part is, Matt, he's saying it about, oh, well, Leon Rose and the Knicks. Oh, okay. So he's going to leave Philly for the city that loves him and adores him and literally worships the ground he walks on for a f- team and a f- that's owned by a absolute jackass and a front office that all offseason you bill simmons sat there and said well this is when they got to get it right and they're done too also why where does that make sense we don't even have to play the hypothetical just we said the same thing about the donovan mitchell situation and look how that turned out just because an agent knows someone doesn't mean that it's guaranteed that that player is going to go to that team if he was going to go he would have left three years ago when it was still a little bit of a question about simmons He's not leaving. Stop trying to make things happen. He's not going to end up in New York. He's never going to be a Celtic. He is a sixer for life, Bill Simmons. Get over your fetish and just appreciate him for what he is and stop trying to make him on someone else's team. And I can't wait because uh, – Doc's done. I'm sorry. It's very obvious. Even if you watch that, that telecast tonight, Matt, even the announcers, it sounded like a summer league game. There was yeah. no hard. There was, they've quit, uh, and and maybe it's just maybe it's it's for the better. Like Doc probably least, just isn't the guy, and he like and if you look back on it, outside of the mat, outside of the one year that he coached a shitty Magic team to an almost playoff seed, like he wasn't that great of a coach with the like Celtics when they won it, and that that KG thing that you sent me last week kind of proves it. Where it's like, yeah, half the time we didn't even fucking listen to what Doc said. Yeah, it was so KG. KG on his his Showtime show had uh, Stephen Jackson, Matt Barnes, and Paul Pierce on the show. Paul Pierce and KG and Stephen Jackson are talking about, um, you know, just like talking about Doc Rivers as a coach. And KG just says, "Man, most of the time we just listen to Rondo. We just listen to Rajon." And then Paul Pierce would, uh, he also KG was chirping Paul Pierce a little bit and saying, "Yeah," and then Paul would just say, "Man, give me that shit over here." <laughs> so it's it's just it's becoming increasingly obvious that Doc Rivers is unfortunately one of those coaches that wears out his welcome. And literally with the Phillies, we've seen the same parallel. It's the same parallel where players get sick and tired of a coach and they want them they want 
a new voice in the locker room and what happens in and that the players identify with, i.e. a Sam Cassell, which I'm stressing a lot because I do not want Daryl Morey or the front office to hire someone outside and bring in another coach that's going to mess. I've seen the no, Mike D'Antoni rumors. If, we, if the Sixers hire Mike D'Antoni, hire, oh my God, I'll cry. The, I will I'll cry. cry. If the Sixers hire Mike D'Antoni, I will go down to the camera, the facility in Camden and will protest. That is the – so let me put it this way. That is probably the only way you get Joel out of the city. It's going to be a Charles Barkley 2.0 situation where they're going to make such dumb decisions that he's going to be like, why would I stay here? As much as I love the fans, this team is atrocious and the front office doesn't listen and make, and it makes terrible decisions. It's so obvious that the, this team wants Cassell and they listen to him over doc and it's no offense to doc, but it's just very, it's just becoming very, I don't want to keep saying the word obvious, but it, it's very apparent that, that, Doc does not know how to get the best out of his rosters. No. You're telling me that he only has one title with the amount of talent that he's coached over the years. And it's not like he had to go up against the MJ Bulls. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or the Showtime Lakers or the Bird Celtics or even this, this, this the Dr. J Sixers. The Bad he Bulls had Pistons. Any, sorry, thank you. Any of that shit. He had first big three. And sure, he had to go up against the Heat, but it's like, were they really that scary? Dirk beat them like misfits. And as much yeah. as I love that 2011 Mavs team, mainly because they got my boy Dirk his title, and that's all I ever cared about for Dirk to cement his legacy. Like, but like that team was a bunch of role players, the defensive player of the year, and one of the 15 greatest players ever in Dirk. Yes, mm-hmm. I said that right. Come at me if anyone disagrees. But and yes. and it's. Like and like so like he couldn't beat them with a healthy KG Pierce Rondo and Ray Allen. Yeah, with some emerging young guys. Like I don't, I don't, I'll never understand it. Um, and Danny Age is a GM who would get him whatever he wants and do it with the right way. So, let's look ahead a little bit. So they finish this Toronto back to back tomorrow night, uh, or excuse me, Friday night. Sorry, Friday night. Uh, and then they play at Chicago, at Washington for the Wizards. Then they come home uh, against Washington, against the Knicks, and then against the Suns, who I take back what I said about the Suns. They look like they're firing on all cylinders and that they just picked up right where they left off. So over those next six games. CP3 is looking tired, though. It's But I think Booker is kind of. But I think CP3 is, I think, finding out that he just needs to take over in certain moments, like mm-hmm. what LeBron does, what Kawhi does, all these guys that when they age, they just put together like a five to six minute stretch per quarter where they can put it all together. And I think that's where CP3 is really thriving right now for Phoenix, at least. Um, so over these next six games, they got to go. Like, I seriously think that they got to go five and one. You have to redeem that loss tonight against the Raptors on Friday night. Why are we in Toronto both times? Maybe traveling, like just traveling and stuff. I don't. So they got to be stuck. That's so dumb. It's dumb. Yeah, I know. Uh, but you you have to redeem this loss against the Raptors. The Bulls are they don't defense is optional sometimes with the Bulls, and I don't think that they can necess- the Bulls can necessarily get a lead 
and just maintain it. Like they had a scare against the Pacers tonight. Um, the Wizards, like, come on, the Wizards are. It's not like we actually handled the Pacers though either. So let's be real. That's, that's also true. Um, the Wizards, fringe playing team at best. Maybe Bradley Beal catches fire, but I don't think they have the depth to like really give the shouldn't have the depth to give the Sixers a hard time. The Knicks, the Knicks are scrappy, but again, in theory, the defense should be enough. And I hope that's a game where Matisse Thibel actually shows his face and we don't have to, we can take back that APB that we could put out on him right now. Yeah. Um, well, and then that's all on Doc, but the Phoenix game, the Phoenix game may be the most critical game of the year already because that really, that's a finals contender in the West coming into Philly. That's going to be a good barometer to see how this team handles itself in high pressure situations against a very high quality team. That's very fluid right now. And feels like, like I said earlier, firing all cylinders. So with that being said, if the Sixers lose that Phoenix game, depending on how they lose, I would not be surprised if Doc Rivers gets fired that night or something that morning where they say, Doc Rivers and the Sixers mutually agree to part ways. If they don't fire him tomorrow morning, I think I think yeah, he probably gets he probably gets to like the 15-20 game mark. It's at max, depending on how because you can't let it get too far. You can't let it get to the point where you're like five and fifteen, because then you really have to dig yourself out of a big hole. Exactly. That's where it's gonna. Where are they gonna draw that line? I think we're still like five hundred last year when they did it. Like you know what I mean? Like they like as much as the Celtics fans want to make it seem like they were like ten games under. No, like this isn't baseball. You don't play one hundred and sixty-two games. Like you only play eighty-two. Yes, it's the long season because how they stretch it out. But you can't fall ten like ten to fifteen games under, and think you have a logistic legitimate shot at getting back in and securing a top six seed especially in an East that is way more competitive than it has been in years past. So how do you think that they do over these next six games? I mean, if they, like you if they don't like, like I, the, you, if this, if it wasn't for last year's postseason win, you could say the Raptors were their bugaboo team, but they should have figured them out. Yeah. And so like they had the Raptors again, they have, the Bulls, what, the the Bulls, then the Wizards twice, the Knicks, and then the Suns. Correct. Like, if you don't go, like you said, five and one, then yeah, you need to really like. There's going to be change. some change. Yeah, there's going to be some changes. Uh, let's close out with the Eagles. We're on by this week, but Howie Roseman was still making moves. Uh, they acquire uh, defensive end Robert Quinn from the Chicago Bears in exchange for just a fourth round pick. And although Robert Quinn's only got one sack this season, he's still coming off a campaign last the year before where he had 18 and a half sacks. So he's definitely got some juice left in the tank. And for the Eagles, this just feels like a move that is just cherry on top to a great offseason and more smart acquisitions by Howie Roseman, who finally pulled his head out of his ass, I think. We'll see by the time the draft rolls around. And it's like, holy shit, like the Eagles are leg- – they have the – we said this at the beginning of the season. They have the right mix of veteran and youth – veteran leadership and youth to really make a run in the playoffs and hand- and stay composed in the playoffs. And I think Robert Quinn's another guy that's hungry to win a title, and he's only going to help guys like Jordan Davis and Milton Williams and some of these younger guys get better at pass rushing. So, and also it can never hurt to have more pass rushers and put some more pressure on quarterbacks like 
Rodgers and Stafford and Brady who kind of crum- have been crumpling under pressure this season. So I, I'm ecstatic once again. Howie Roseman does it. Well, is, and is it true that the, the, the Bears are going to eat the, the majority of his salary too? I have not seen that. I, that's even I heard that and like something like where someone – and that's what I was trying to read real quick to find out. Like if it's true that they're going to um, – that, 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 if that's the truth that they're going to – they were going to um, eat like a majority of what he had left. I'm reading the ESPN article right now. Uh, Quinn, those statistics. Yeah, it doesn't say anything. That's what I was reading, too. Okay. He carries an 18.237 million cap hit for 2023 and has 7.9 remaining of his 2.8 base salary. So maybe they're going to – maybe they're going to eat the rest of this year is what it is. Yeah, so they'll pay – um. Yeah. So the Bears. So the Eagles will have to pay that extra. Was it five point seven? So the Bears are covering like fifty to sixty percent of it. But how? So he signed a five-year, seventy million deal in April twenty twenty. So 2021 twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two. He still got Two years after this, doesn't he? I'm pulling it up on the Spochark page right now. Yes, he has two more years of cap hits of 14 million next season and then 13 million the following year, and then he becomes an unrestricted free agent. Okay. Okay. So obviously the 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 cap hit is gonna be something that's gonna have to be looked at. Like eventually that, that might become a little bit of an issue that might prevent something, but on the face of it, only giving up a fourth-round pick for a veteran pass rusher who throughout his career has proven that he can get to the quarterback. He will come in, hopefully stay healthy, and it's obviously there to help replace Barnett, um, yeah. who most Philly, Philadelphia Eagles fans was never someone that we ever truly fell in love with. And then again, it took a while to get to fall in love with Brandon Graham, but I think Brandon Graham is still at least produced to a degree. Whereas I feel like Barnett has just never ever lived up to it and has always been injured. I mean, the most so, the, the thing Barnett is most known for is recovering the strip sack fumble by right. Brandon Graham in the Super Bowl. And that's about it. Like, you know what I mean? So, like you gave him a fourth round pick for a guy, like you said, who had 18 and a half sacks, what, a year or two ago? Yeah, not not this season or last season. So cool. He only has one, but like the Bears are shit. Yeah, they played a good game on Monday, but he's now joining a team where he's a not expected to be the star. B has helped throughout a throughout the entire defensive line, like secondary and everything that will will you know he knows that it's not all on him just to get to the deep quarterback or they're screwed. Like we have a good secondary. We finally have some linebackers that can hang in coverage. Not to mention we have linebackers that can rush a passer like Hassan Reddick. You know, you have Milton Williams. You have Javon Hargrave. You have Teron Jackson. You have Josh Sweat. You have Fletcher Cox. You have all these guys that are there. And then on top of it, you have Jordan uh, Davis, 
who really we haven't yet seen blossom, but I think season goes on that he's just going to get more and more time and we're going to really need him later in the life. And this is just an added bonus. It's awesome. It's fantastic. It's, it's a luxury. Like- and I just hope that like, I hope like, cause you can see this blow up on teams faces where it's like they got the guy and he never panned out. But then you have situations like where it did for the Rams last year, where getting Von Miller ultimately helped them win the Super Bowl. And I hope that that's what this is for us. And then we also get to hold on to him. And then I hope that he makes it worth it for the next two years. Or if not, I trust in Howie to figure out a way to get rid of him. You know? Yeah, they they always figure out a way to um to figure out like structure bonuses and all that type of stuff. So like I'm not necessarily concerned about salary cap because like I'm convinced also that the salary cap just doesn't. And all it took was a fourth round. All it took was a fourth round to add a guy that is a former pro bowler and like led the league in sacks a year ago and has been a consistent performer his entire career, a fourth rounder that just add to our already stud defensive line. Exactly. And also I'm looking at Tankathon right now. The Eagles still have, two first round picks next season right. and we so, and that's the best part about it is that that pick didn't give up now i have heard there's been some line some reports floating around i don't know if you read them or heard them too that apparently they inquired about cream hunt as well um i i so here's my thing i love cream hunt i think it's bullshit how the chiefs dogged him like they did but they were willing to keep that douchebag fucking piece of shit Tyree Kill employed for all those years. But for and I'm not saying what Cream Hunt did was wasn't wrong. He, yes, but there's circumstances. Beating yeah. your pregnant sitting on top of your pregnant wife and beating her is one thing. Pushing a girl that may or may not have called you a racial slur and not even like not even push, pushing her that hard, like shoving her out of the way so she doesn't like come after you. It's a completely other thing. And the fact that they kept Tyree Kill but booted Kareem Hunt, I'll never understand. You know what I mean? Like, well, because the like league, people treat so, it like he, he Ray Rice this girl when all he did was like, like get her away. We don't know the whole situation, but like, like in, in another way you could look at it too, like Joe Mixon fucking TKO'd a girl in an Oklahoma bar. Still got taken in the second round. Well, as scummy as this is, Unfortunately, NFL teams use the rationale that since it happened at college, they won't they can't get disciplined by the league. And so and so you get the um who's the punter? Who's the punter for the Bills this year? Matt Ariza. Right. So you get those type of situations where the Bills, from reports, they at least knew about it before the draft started. And so they took him, probably thinking that, well, the league can't discipline him. Maybe we can handle this internally and no one has to know about it. And then the allegations or whatever else becomes public. And so and nothing's, been, nothing's come of that since, right? No, I mean, the, the bills caught him. And no, I know I, that, but I'm saying, like, what's like, you haven't, like, there's been no word on, like, whatever happened to that, right? Uh, I have not heard anything. Uh, his lawyer said as of September that there's a massive delay uh, in the process. Uh, so far so that was from front office sports by the way so there's a delay and no i guess trial has been set up or whatever but speaking football wise for kareem hunt's fit on the eagles it can never hurt to have depth 
but doesn't it also feel kind of redundant to have Gainwell, yes. Sanders, Hunt all yeah. as your top three? As backs? much as I love Cream Hunt, I would like prefer him more in the offseason when they probably are going to let Sanders walk. Because I feel that like, but then again, they don't use Miles as much as I would like them. They use him like I like Miles Sanders more than most people. And I think yeah. more than most Penn State people too. Like, I don't think he gets used the right way. I think that like Sirianni has this weird like high school quarterback is my kid infatuation with Jalen Hurts when yeah. it gets to the goal line and that's like, a good comp. I didn't think about it that way. And um, so I, I like I'll never understand that, but like yeah, I think that the Kareem hunting would be kind of redundant. He definitely would be an upgrade over Gainwell, but it's like, is he a power back? Maybe a little bit more than Sanders because he's a little bit more bulky. But if anything, that's what I think they need. But it's like, where is there to get, where are you going to get one of those? Yeah. I guess is the next question. And outside of that, my, my two other things, I think maybe some secondary help in case of injuries or like another linebacker, but who says any of them are for sale? And then maybe some more offensive line depth because it looks like they're going to get rid of Dillard for something. And I'm fine with that because he never really impressed me. And it seems as that's the case within the, within the clubhouse is that no one really kind of has a high rating of him, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind them trying to snag some offensive line depth because I feel like every week it's a new guy, like getting a concussion or hurting his hand or something like that. And it's like, we saw how quickly losing Elaine Johnson can really hurt. Because mm-hmm. we only have so many people to plug and play, so they they would be my be my like a power back d d back help or like secondary help I guess I should say, and uh, some some offensive line additions I think wouldn't hurt because outside of that like I think we're pretty good with our wide receivers, you know I think obviously there are tight ends I love. If the defensive line, you just you took care of what you needed to take care of, and you know where where else you know you really maybe a return person. Yeah, but the biggest concern for the Eagles is like you mentioned injury depth and just being having backup plans in case someone does go down with something and you have a quality mm-hmm. uh, guy that could step in for a brief period of time. But I mean, looking at this Pittsburgh matchup ahead, it's like this is the most confident I've ever felt going into a game against Pittsburgh in my entire life as an Eagles fan. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Like it's it's and I can't wait. Like I honestly hope that like now if this was an Andy Reid team and we were playing this way, I'd be like, dude, we're gonna crush them because Andy Reid doesn't lose off of eyes. But I I hope that they didn't read too many of their press clippings and they just come out eager, rest it, and just I hope we absolutely destroy these motherfuckers from Pittsburgh. I can't stand these Yinzers. I can't stand anything about them. I hate this. I hate the city. I hate their sports teams, all their fans. I mean, I hope we embarrass the fuck out of them on Sunday and we do it with pleasure. And I just hope we make a point that people kind of forgot about us for a week. And it's like, the narrative, I think, started to become like, oh, well, they only beat the Cowboys with Cooper Rush by this much. It's like, what happens with Dak? And it's like the Cow and the Giants. And the- that's the other thing I do kind of hate is I wish we would get the Giants like now so we could kind of put them in their place a little bit. Because even if we're not going to go and defeat it, we are still the better team than both of these teams. And we proved that all- with the Cowboys already. 
and I just can't wait till we get to do it with the with the Giants as well. So uh, yeah, yeah, sure. I can't wait, and hopefully we come out firing. Score prediction: I have Eagles. I think it'll be a again domination, like thirty-eight fourteen. Yeah, I, I'm thinking if that I'm hoping that we get over our little like second half malaise and that we we play what is as close to a complete game as we can. And I am gonna go with a uh, a forty-one to ten score line. Oh, I like it. I like it a I lot. I just don't who they, like who they who, how are they scoring points on us? No, I just don't. No. I just don't believe unless it. unless Mitch Trubisky gets a last minute notice that he's starting. That's the only way he, that he plays well is if he doesn't know until last minute. Um, but Kenny Pickett may start anyway. Uh, so yeah. That doesn't for one, all, wait one, real quick. One, okay, we got one, one last thing. team that's actually doing good in the city. Well, the Flyers. You want to talk all, about the Flyers? Well, the Flyers oh, are well. doing a good start. Oh, wait, no. Yeah, you got to Yeah, you got to do your soccer thing. Go ahead. To the Go Union. Ahead. To the Eastern Conference Finals for the second time in two years, back to back years. Uh, for uh, soccer is still a very hard sport to get and to get Americans to love. I get it, especially like with MLS and everything like that. I'm even a late comer to the party. That said, this is revenge come Sunday. It's against a city that any team were born to hate in NYFC. They beat us last year on a bullshit technicality because the week before the game, when we hit advance, we lost the majority of our roster to COVID and the MLS still fucking made us play with half a roster. And we still only lost two to one to those motherfuckers. So revenge game, full roster, It'd be nice if we could get Alejandro Bedoya back, but it doesn't look like we're going to. I'm hoping that Jim Curtin, another local kid, uh, Orland Rays, McDevitt, McDevitt alumni, I hope that he has these guys ready to go come Sunday, 8 o'clock on FS1, and that they can get to the finals, and then anything can happen from there. They've been the best team outside of LAFC all season in the MLS. They have had the best defense, one of the three best attacks, it has been so much fun to watch. They played a little bit timid against Cincinnati, but Cincinnati has like is like their bugaboo team because Cincinnati's head coach is our old assistant coach, and their GM is one of our assist, old assistant GMs. So they know exactly how to line up against the Union. So most Union fans thought as long as we can get through them, we should be good. So that's still the prevailing thought. Hopefully they don't rest in their laurels. They come out, they play the way that they know how to play. They wax NYFC get to the championship, and if Austin somehow upsets LAFC, it could be MLS Cup in Philadelphia. Hey, I like the sound of that. Which would be huge. It'd be, dude, the, I mean, it's not well known, but like just like any other sports team in the city, the, the Union fans are great. The Sons of Ben are a great fan base. They get it going. Even just watching that game last Thursday, you could tell how electric the stadium was. So it's it come Sunday. It should be fun. Also, twenty four days to the World Cup kickoff. True. Nineteen days until rosters are final. At well, twenty technically, the in nineteen days they're 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 finalized. In twenty, they announce them. But you you'll know most of them by nineteen days from now. The U.S. still has a couple questions. Not sure what the striker position is going to look like who they're going to bring for some depth and midfield and defense, I think is still up for the question. And um, the goalie situation is still kind of up in the air. No one really knows at the moment, 
the the thought is that Matt Turner, who was the number two for Arsenal in England, is going to be the number one. Uh, and I think most fans are happy with that. But right now, the big question is, what are they going to do about the striker position to score goals? Um, but going into this World Cup, outside of the fact that I think our group is very manageable, this is the strongest starting eleven that I think the U.S. is bringing to a World Cup. USA. In- Ever, USA, ever. USA. And on top of that, the depth is there. Our players are starting to fire a little bit. Pulisic is getting some more playing time. Gio Reyna is getting geared up in the health, and he scored his first goal for Dortmund over the weekend. Um, all the guys are getting healthy, and I just really think that as long as Burhalter doesn't fuck this up and lets our talent play the way we should play, there's th- this could be we could match the furthest we've ever gone. And I think we'll probably do a little bit of a mini preview a little bit down the line if you we allow do. it. We will. I'm watching. I'm watching more soccer analysts on TikTok. Terry Henry, fantastic. Love that show. CBS Sports Golasso. I love that show. So I'm getting. I'm slowly getting into my soccer fix. I just got to actually learn how the fucking Black game Black Friday, England USA two. PM oh my god! It'll be like going Fourth of July to part be two. Fucking awesome! It is going to be. So not, I can't wait for it. Like I've like already have a party plan. Like I do, I I cannot wait for that day. Like obviously Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday and I can't wait for the day after the first time ever, because I cannot wait for that game. And obviously it'll be dampened a little bit if we don't win our first game against Wales, but I think we should. Um, there's also been some calls that for FIFA to remove Iran, who was in our group from the World Cup due to their alleged support of Russia. I don't think it's going to happen, but that's something to maybe keep an eye on that um, that FIFA might start to feel some pressure and they might replace them. Uh, it, it's mainly coming from Ukraine, but the allies are starting to support it. And Ukraine kind of wants themselves to be allowed in, but I don't think that's what would happen. If anything, I think they would be replaced by another Asian team. So if somehow that would be to remove uh, I think the United Arab Emirates would be the next team that would, would replace them. I don't think it's going to happen, but it, just in case, but that said, uh, it's, we, it's, it's, we have the talent and it's just all about whether Greg Bolher does the right thing. And I, I can't wait like 24 days can't come fast enough for this shit. And I'm saying that as an Arsenal fan whose team is in first place still to this day, two points ahead, the favorite Man City. It's been great. I have the Eagles in first place. The Phillies are in the World Series. The Union are trying to win an MLS Cup. Arsenal is in first. Dude, it couldn't get better right now. Outside of the fucking six are shit in the bed. Which, <laughs> if I were to, if I were to hop on a Premier League team, which one should I hop on? I know, I know, Man City's filthy, and I'm not going to do that because I know that's bullshit. Well, I mean, it. So, like, it depends, like. Like and like you want to like there's people that like would take the fit like the Philly way that like it's, it's a like town that's like kind of blue collar. Um, Newcastle is a team that is like All that, right. but they just got bought out by the Saudis. Fuck. So they're going to have some more money, but they're not doing it the way that Man City did it. They're kind of building it slowly. Um, but the Jordies is what they're called. They're from the way it's been described to me. It's like a city full of Kenzos, but not like as like drugging terrible like they're bad and war zoning yeah so but like you you know you, you have then a lot of american soccer fans team to support this year is leeds united because 
We have two American players who are two of our starting 11 and Brendan Aronson, local boy from Phil, from Jersey slash Philly, played for the union, made the leap and he's doing great. And then Tyler Adams, who's our starting holding midfield, one of our starting holding midfielders on the national team and the coaches American, Jesse March. Unfortunately, Jesse might not be in that position much longer. He's kind of on the hot seat and they're playing Liverpool this weekend. And while Liverpool aren't the Liverpool of the last couple of years, they can still pour three or four on you when they want to. And right now that with the way Leeds is kind of leaking goals, um, by this time next week, Jesse Marsh might be out of a job. And which might lead to if Ball Halter really fucks up the World Cup, there's a lot of American fans that would call for Jesse March to maybe be the next American head coach because while he hasn't necessarily necessarily got it done in Europe as a uh, team, a club coach, they still believe in him a lot more to be uh, the international coach to get the best out of this uh, this team, and it's shown so far with how well he's gotten and Aronson and Adams to adapt to the Premier League in their first year. All right, Newcastle United. That's what I heard. I'm a Newcastle guy now. Well, Le- Leeds is really the team you want to be as a USA fan right now. All right, fine. I'll do both. I don't have no loyalty. I'm hypocrite. But Arsenal, Arsenal is not a. They're they're kind of the rich and proper. But if you want a team that constantly disappoints you and lets you down, like Philly teams, <laughs> Arsenal. I picked them, and it's been a very miserable existence as an Arsenal fan since I started rooting for them back in '03, uh, and. They've won some cups here and there, but it's we haven't won the league since 04, and we're probably not going to win it this year, but we're we're enjoying the ride while we can. All right, fair enough. That does it for all of us here at the Black and Blue Pod. Got some soccer talk in. I'm actually kind of pumped about that. I'm going to get more into soccer as we approach the World Cup. Uh, and but you'll they, be at the and you'll be at my house for the party. And if you're oh, not, you're absolutely, <laughs> we are enjoying Black Friday and hopefully crushing those bread spirits. Uh, so that does it for all of us here at the Black and Blue Pod. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Be sure to like, comment, subscribe. That's the best way to support uh, the show. And we will catch you all in the next episode. Go Phillies! Go Fightings, baby! I am stoked! <laughs>